Dream big for what we can do here. Let's not be small thinkers. Let's take what we have, let's use it to our advantage, let's come together as a group, and let's go do it together. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the All Den Podcast, your look inside the Furman basketball program. I am your host, Dan Scott. Very happy to have you with us for this pre-Christmas edition, and well, we're going to do something a little bit different today. The entire podcast is going to be Bob Ritchie answering your questions, questions that were submitted online. The coach is going to answer those questions in today's episode of the All Den Podcast. Bob will be joining us here in just a moment, but first I'll remind you of a couple of things. Number one, the All Den Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Shortfields and Downtown Travelers Rest. Shortfields.com is the website. You can see the menu, the operating hours, everything that great restaurant has to offer at their website. And secondly, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, anything you'd like Coach to address moving forward, then please, by all means, shoot me an email, dan.scott at furman.edu, dan.scott at furman.edu. As mentioned, this is episode 39 of the All Den Podcast. I'm Dan Scott, voice of the Paladins, and head coach Bob Ritchie is here as always. Uh, busy, busy man. Uh, and uh, I'm sure like a lot of uh, folks here on campus looking forward to a little bit of a break coming up, but not before a conference game uh, this Friday as we record this. This is this is Tuesday afternoon, this Friday uh, in um Making Georgia to take on Mercer to open conference play. So you a little work to do before you get a break. Yeah, we do. But fortunately, you know, it, this has been a little bit bigger of a gap than what we've been having between games, having six days. And so, you know, just to allow our players to finish finals and, um, you know, catch our breath a little bit has, has been good. But, yeah, we're, we're knee-deep in Mercer now. And um, we're off today so that our, our team can finish up finals and then, and then we'll get back into practice tomorrow and the next day and get ready for the Bears. So, so who scheduled 13 games in six weeks and, and, and then 13 games in nine weeks to follow that up? Yeah, you know, it, it just <laughs> – we, we got in this deal where we just had to kind of plug them in where we could plug them in. Yeah. And um, it ended up being a lot, you know, in a concentrated period of time. But, um, you know, all in all – it, it's it's been good. I think we've you know I looked at strength of schedule yesterday from you know some of the teams in the league. I think Greensboro at two fifty seven, ETSU two fifty four, Wofford two fifteen. We're, we're at one fifty one, and so I do like the fact that we've been tested, and and I like the fact that you know compared to to some of the other teams in the league, I feel like we've had a little bit a little bit more meat on our schedule, which means that that we've we've had to deal with a little bit more and you know, some good and, and some things have been exposed. And I think we have a pretty clear picture of what we're really good at and what we need to, what we need to work on during this break to, to make a run at this conference. You, you have obviously since Saturday had many opportunities to address the, the, uh, the first run at the weekend at the well, the win over Winthrop played downtown with, with a couple of days of perspective now. And you look back on, the the first of, of three games, did it go like you thought it would, better than you thought it would? What was your overall take? Overall, I thought it was better. You know, I think with it being the first time and, you know, as a, as a coach, you're, you're really, you know, the, the secret of this level is energy and, and can you generate energy in a venue? And so if you've got a great venue and you've got all these seats in a venue and it's brand new but you have no energy, it doesn't really help you. And And so – 
we saw that a little bit, you know, with with some people that we played on the road that, that mm-hmm. might have newer venues that, that, that can't generate the energy in it. You don't really get an advantage from it. We've developed some energy at Timmins. And so when when you decide to do this, you, you know that you're taking a leap of faith. We're going into a bigger venue. It's going to draw a different a different fan. We're going to be able to get into the city. But what's the energy going to be like? And you know what? I was I quickly saw from the start, I mean, just from, from introductions, that it, it was going to be – there was going to be energy in that building. Mm-hmm. And uh, was pleasantly surprised. First half, I mean, it was – it was a great environment. It was it was fun to coach in that in that building. It was fun to coach in in, in that environment and that type of game with a, with a quality opponent. And um, our team responded. We played with tremendous energy until there, the last five or six minutes. I thought I thought we let up a little bit, but you know, for thirty five minutes of the game, I was, I was proud of how our team competed. Well, what we have uh, decided to do today is uh, instead of uh, me asking the questions, or you and I getting together and discussing what the show is going to look like or the podcast is going to look like we've decided to go to the fans and, and let them uh, submit some questions which they uh, did at gopaladins.com so we've got a number of those you ready to jump into them I am I am I uh, was with our director of recruiting earlier and was kind of getting prepped on a few of them and uh, you know I don't I don't personally look at this message board a whole lot I will say this for our fan base you know right now it's common practice basically all head coaches are going to have somebody on their staff that, that, that I, everything that's going out. And, and the reason for this is, you know, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful in saying this, the content is not a huge deal to me. You know, I, I, I decided to, cho- to, to do something for a living that appears to the fan to be a very easy job. And there's always, there's always things that people think that should be done. And that comes with the territory, and I'm completely comfortable with that, and I understand that. And, and you know what? That, that's what makes it fun to be a fan, that you do have voice. What I would tell people listening to the podcast that we have to understand, it, it, it is 2019, and, and the reason that you have a staff member watch the message board is because it does impact recruiting, and it impacts, it impacts people's view of your brand and your culture because they're constantly looking to see, you know, when, when recruits are deciding, hey, you know where am I going to go? They 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 want to, they're trying to gather as much information as possible, and so, you know, it's very common practice. You know, for us, we have a little bit more of an active message board than a lot of schools our level, and and that's good that we have people that care. But at the same time, we got to understand what we do on there and the activity. It, it can it can have impact, and when people look at it, if it presents as a negative slant, then hey, you know, recruits pull it up and they're like, hey, you know what? Wow. You know, man, they hate the facility and they, they can't stand this and they don't like this. and what Versus when there's good dialogue and there's people that are, that are you know, discussing the program and, and discussing the direction of the program, that can, that can in some ways help you. And so uh, fans are free to say whatever they want. You know, hey, if, uh, you know, after, after a loss, that's, we're fair game, right? You know, it's, 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 it's part of the territory. But, um, you know, as, as Daniel was showing me some stuff this morning, I did tell him, you know, he had he showed me the question post, and I said, you know, pop on the Winthrop deal. Oh, I'm curious what everybody kind of said about the well. And, you know, I, I know I'm getting in tricky territory here, but I was amazed at some of the negativity. You know, I really was taken back by the effort that our administration put forth, what our AD has done to make that happen, what our president, our people on campus, and to see our players go give that forth the effort, Versus an opponent like that that played Duke to ten 
that beat St. Mary's, that played TCU to 10, and to see some of the negativity was astounding. And you know what? Hey, if we're, if we're three and, and 10, go at us, right? <laughs> but, but, you know. And, and you've been through those days. And we've been through those days. And you know what? Like, like say whatever you want. Like, tear us apart. I'm fine with that, right? But there, there's a lot of work going into this. And there's, there, our players are, are putting on that jersey with a lot of pride. And, and they're, they're laying it on the line for this university and this school. And, and not that we're above criticism. Um, but but for some of the for some of the people that it just seems like hey you know what they're just that they're they're going to feed off the negative approach and in whatever we do they're going to try to find some type of negativity. What I would tell you if you're listening to this today, I I reserve two mornings a, a week early for coffee for boosters, and I would love for you to email me and you can come to the office and and give it give it to me. You know, give me give me the things that we can do better. And and by by all means, if you've got some answers, then then come 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 talk to me, right? But here's what you gotta understand. We're also gonna educate you on what we have to do to push this program forward. And that's a discussion that some people don't wanna have. And so there there's there's two roads to this. And and you know, if we're gonna get on there and we're gonna complain about ticket prices, you know what? It's two thousand nineteen. You know, and, and, and if we're going to want to go play in an NCAA tournament venue and we want we want to have all that comes with this. OK, it's not free. Mm-hmm. Right. And so 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 let's be careful. Right. Let's let's be careful about how we approach this. And, and not that I'm saying, hey, we got to have a fan base. that's all pie in the sky. But at the end of the day, you know, it's there's not a lot of people that had us 10 and three right now. Right. And there's a lot of people that were wondering what we were going to do life without Matt Rafferty. Right. And then to go on there and start attacking, it's just it's just interesting to me. And so we're transparent. We're wide open. We let anybody come to practice. I want this fan base to feel like this is their program. I want them to feel like that our our venture and our vision and what we're trying to do, that that this is all encompassing. We've been very clear about that, that that this is everybody's program and we want to work together on that. Right. But if 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 we're going to if if we we also got to be careful with that, that we understand we're not even close to where we want to go. We still have ground we want to cover and we still have a journey that we want to keep marching to. And we've got to get everybody marching in the same direction. And I think that's a very, very critical part of this. That's Bob Ritchie. We are uh, in episode 39 of the All Den podcast. Um, I'll just say this. It's easy to be bold when you're anonymous. And so I would, I would, I would love for some folks to take you up on that offer to come and talk to you. I, I you know, they might not, and that's fine. Um, and some of them could be, some of them could be, you know, message boards are free a lot of times. So heck, it could be a Wofford fan. You never know. Yeah, this <laughs> so is true. It's, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to think I'm, I'm riled up and, and offended in any ways. I just, I want everybody to understand that this is this is a big time journey that we're trying to embark on, and there's a lot of battles that we're fighting, and there's a lot of things that we're trying we're trying to pull resources together. We're trying to pull people together, right? That's the trick of all this. And when we walk out there and we go warm up, and it says "better together" on our shirts, that's not just some cliche deal, right? right? And so that's all I'm saying here. I don't want anybody to feel like it, it, that that any, but it, I just found it interesting this morning. And um, but we did see some good questions. I can't wait to get into a couple of them and, uh, you know, make it a little interactive. And hopefully this will be something that, that people feel like will be entertaining to listen to. Well, let's do it. We've got uh, 12, 15 minutes left to see how many of them we can kind of wade through. The first one 
says, uh, what Ken Palm or RPI or that kind of ranking would a SOCON school have to have going into the SOCON tournament in Asheville with less pressure on them for an NCAA or NIT bid? Yeah, you know, I think, and I think last year we, we saw, unfortunately, that, that a lot of times, regardless of your ranking, at this level it can be very difficult. And, um, you know, so we've got to understand that that's, that's, that's the method. You've got, to, you've got to go win those three games in a row. And I think last year, had Wofford lost in the tournament, they would have gotten in uh, just because of their winning streak and, and that they had gone through a league that had four teams in the top 85 in the country, and they, they went through unblemished. I think they would have gotten in, but clearly we missed it. Greensboro missed it. ETSU missed it. And so, um, you know, the trick is you've got to figure out how to go be your best those three days, and um, that's just the reality of it. I would love at one point, you know, sometime down the road for that to change, but um, right now that's not the case. I know the RPI has kind of fallen down the list of things people look at, but last year was the first time since the NCAA tournament expanded to 64, and now, of course, it's a 68 that a conference with an RPI as high as Southern Conference did not get multiple teams into the tournament. Oh, yeah. It's the wrong kind of history. And, and even Ken Palm. I mean, last year, I think the league that finished, you know, 12th or 13th, where we finished the year before, they got three teams in. And so it's, um, you know, we, we're, all, we're all aware enough to know how this stuff works and that it's, it's a revenue-driven revenue tournament, and, and everybody understands that. And so – you know, you can't take it too personal. You just gotta, you gotta know what it is, and and so you've got to figure out how to go play your best three games in those three days and try to control your own destiny. All right. Next question is probably more of a Jason Donnelly question, the athletic director. But but I, I figured you would probably have some thoughts on this. Uh, one thing that we face every year that uh, has been brought up, and and we're going to get a, a second dose of it for the UNCG game at the well, and and that is. Um, playing major, having major events happen when the students are, are going on break. Uh, the the uh, I think winter break will just be wrapping up when the UNCG game happens at the well. And, of course, the SOCON tournament every year happens when Furman's students are on spring break. The question was how can we generate some student turnout with those two things happening? Yeah, I think they're two two different situations obviously i think with the uncg game the good news is the dorms will open up that saturday and i think they've done some things on campus to make it to where people if they choose to could come back get get situated get back in their space and make it to the game on saturday night obviously they'll have to they'll have to commit to, to coming back a day early and um I, we're hopeful that that with us getting the word out and and you know our administration working really hard that, that we'll, we'll get enough students to come back for that because it's just going to be that big of a game. You know, the, the spring break thing is, is a whole, yeah, that's, that's, that's above my pay grade. And, and, and obviously <laughs> it's, it's not a decision that I get to make or be a part of. Um, you know, we just got to keep, you know, preaching that, hey, this is what's going on and see if we can get some people to, to commit some of their time of spring break to that. And, um, you know, we know going for all of us that have been to Asheville – you know, a lot of the trick is who can make it more of a home court, you know, mm -hmm. who, who, who can who can create more energy so that when, you, when you're making that run, your, your, your players can run off of that. And, um, you know, it's a big it's a big part of the game right now, you know. And so uh, that's you know, I think I was I was reading this morning the Big Ten so far. I think it's every game has been won by the home team. 
I think it's 14 and 0 home team. Like Minnesota beat Ohio State the other night, and all the Big Ten games have been won by the home team. And so again, going back to energy and going back to environment. So now it's like, hey, well, if a team goes to Asheville and they bring 2,000 fans, and another team brings 500, well, you're playing on the road. And so now you've got this three-game season that that can redefine history around here. And all of a sudden, you're minus 1,500 fans to everybody else. That, that, that makes your job a little harder. you got to play a little better. And um, and so, you know, you can say, well, that's that's a little bit of a cop-out. No, I mean, that's that's the game. You know, that's 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 what it is. So uh, I hope as, as we continue to build our brand and uh, we continue to build interest that people will see that, you know, that's a, that's a good three-day event and um, four-day event. And it's an hour up the road and we can get more people – that are that are interested in, in, in joining us up there on that journey. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out too that the one thing that has happened uh, in in the, the last handful of years, when possible, while the student body at large is gone, there are spring sport teams that are here on campus. And by and large, if they've not been off playing somewhere, they have bust up there. As a group, baseball team has been there, the cross team has been there. So there's been. Uh, some student support of the, the spring teams who are still here on campus playing, but it's not 2,800 students. Yeah, and I'm sure Jason and his team are putting some putting some ideas together to figure out, you know, what can we do, what can we what can we offer to make it worth their while. And um, you know, we we've tried some some new ideas that that I've really appreciated and liked. You know, and 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 I think I, I would imagine there's going to be some new ideas there that we'll throw out, and um, I'll be interested to see what they are. But you know, it's. It's pretty self-explanatory, right? The more people that we can get up there, the, the, yep. the better our chances get. Episode 39 of the All Den Podcast as we continue with head coach Bob Ritchie. And you are asking the questions today. We uh, uh, went on to uh, gopowellness.com and posted a uh, message yesterday asking for question submissions. And that's uh, what's driving the show today. The next one uh, talks about uh, everybody fan-wise, uh, and I'm sure coaching staff-wise too, worried about the loss of Matt Rafferty after last year. Um, but uh, it seems like several guys have stepped up, and it's been a true team effort to fill that void, the uh, uh, question writer says. Wants to know if you can talk about how the offense have changed without Rafferty on the court and if any players in particular have stepped up in certain areas, most notably when it's crunch time or when things are going against you, you need a bucket to settle the team down. Yeah, great question, and uh, something that we obviously spent a lot of the offseason trying to figure out ourselves. And when you lose a player that that will have his jersey in the rafters one day, and and that was as valuable to this program as Matt Rafferty, you're not just going to jump up and replace him one guy. The, the trick is through development that everybody chips in, and and the the only the only reason we were able to continue and and just to to make it look like, hey, okay, look, these guys are continuing to play as well as they did last year is because we did return four starters around it. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we had some guys that, had, that played a lot of those minutes last year. And we built the culture and, and we built a culture of, of work ethic and, and guys investing and, and being deliberate in their improvement. And, you know, guys just worked this offseason. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, it was it was just every single day, guys in the gym, you know, whole team in the gym. And it was just we've gotten this gotten this to this point where – the next man up around here has happened for the last four or five years that people, players have seen if we'll just if they'll just do it, just do the work, right? And do it together and make it enjoyable, you'll improve. And so for us, you know, here lately, you know, Jordan Lyons was all conference last year, so we knew he was gonna be ready to have a big senior year. 
the jumps, you know, you look at what Noah Gurley's done these last four games and, and even, even some of the earlier games. I mean, he's becoming a, a regular guy. You look and you see Clay's progression just in his body, his demeanor, his confidence. You know, all of a sudden now he's kind of all over the floor and he's rebounding, he's getting double-doubles. His intensity is, is, has risen, so his production has risen. And then Alex Hunter, you know, steady as it gets, manages the game, doesn't make mistakes, plays really, really hard. But then all of a sudden, Mike Bothwell, right? Like like his emergence, and then and then you got a guy like Trey Clark that's that's been, you know, more steady with his minutes and what he can do on the glass and the defensive end of the floor, like we saw Saturday. And then all of a sudden, Jalen Pugh, who in the last three or four games is starting to emerge as somebody that can really make shots. And so and then Jalen Slauson, you know, like somebody that we struggled at times to find minutes for last year, and all of a sudden now this year he's starting. And so really to be – it's not really – and we knew this, and we talked about this a lot this offseason. It's not that you're going to put pressure on one guy to say, hey, you got to step up. It's every single person. I'm talking about myself, staff, players. Every single person is going to have to understand we've got to step up to replace this void in Matt and Andrew. And, um, and fortunately, you know, the program to this point has taken the challenge, and uh, we've, been able to, we've been able to survive it. Does uh, Clay Mounts know the uh, Bible story about Samson? Not going to let his girlfriend cut his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. He's, he's a big reader. So there you go. He's, uh, he's trimmed the beard, but the hair is still there. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's been a cool look for him. Um, next question says, uh, uh, talked about you in the Winthrop game switching to the 1-3-1 defense in inbounding situations uh, and wants to know more about your defensive philosophies, both in general and in specific game scenarios that call for changes to a typical man-to-man defense. Yeah, so this year, again, last year we were able to kind of line up and play man-to-man, and, and you know Matt was able to quarterback our defense, and, and he could see he could see everything in front, and he could call the coverages and you know call the rotations, and he was very, very gifted at that. We knew going in this year we were going to have to be a little bit more multiple, and, and so we knew we were going to have to find a zone that we liked, we knew we were going to have to put in a post trap. We knew we were going to have to change up our ball screen coverages at times just just to use our speed, our athleticism, and our length and to find ways where we could be disruptive. And, you know, that's really been our defensive philosophy this year is just how can we disrupt? How can we create deflections? How can we create turnovers? And, and all doing it while we're not getting too extended. And, um, you know, that's that's been – that's that's been a little bit of our mo of making sure that we're creating these disruptions, but also not opening up the the paint and uh, making sure that we do a great job in our in our post fronts and our post crowds and you know being active in our gaps so we don't let people penetrate us off the bounce and uh, you know so that's 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 been pretty good for us so far the one three one you know we've kind of just fallen into it. We've really, really liked it. Coach Johnson and Coach Grove both played it at their previous institutions, and so it's been fun watching them work together. And um, they've kind of taken that, and I've fallen in love with it. I mean, I just I think it's a lot of fun. You know, the 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 play that the the particular fans talking about is when there was about twelve on the shot clock, and we called it on the side. Usually, you know, the the best thing about the one three one is there's only so many things you can do against it, and most of them. Most of them take a little bit of time, and so you got to work the ball on one side of the floor, and then you got to you got to work your overload on the weak side, and you got to really set it up. It takes a little time, and so we just felt in that particular instance that they weren't going to have time to get a clean look that we could we could keep the ball high on the floor, and uh, sure enough, you know we we got we got the turnover, and and then we also used it Saturday heavily in ATO situations, and, and ATO is an after timeout. Winthrop's very good in ATOs; they draw up a lot of actions. Coach Kelsey does a lot of a lot of good things there. And, 
we didn't necessarily want to deal with all of them. And so as they were drawing up their ATO, we just went to our 131, and then we got right back out of it. And so it was just, it was just a, a, another way to keep them off rhythm a little bit. And, um, you know, we, 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 again, another game where we were pretty efficient in it. And it was, it's just like, it's a curveball, right? I mean, it's just, it's something you have in your pocket and you throw it out there and you see how effective it is. And uh, you see how much you want to utilize it through the course of the game. All right, staying on the defensive theme quickly, um, uh, another question submitted wants to know if you have a general preference for getting back on defense as opposed to crashing the offensive boards, or do you base transition defense more on the players you have available? No, we, we try to be we, – we, we fight for what we call floor balance there. So we're, we're two back, three on, and, and that's pretty consistent. We, we want to try to get three on the glass, our three, four, and our five, and, and you know, especially with the link that we have in, in Clay, Noah, and Slauson. And then, and then Alex and Jordan, they're, they're halfback, fullback, and so one of them is going to be more of a safety. He wants to make sure everything stays in front of him. And then the other one, you want to make sure they're stopping the ball and they're trying to keep the ball high on the floor. And then now, you know, once you crash those three, if they don't get the ball, then now their first three steps have to be a sprint. And, and, and you're really trying to, you know, you're trying to load the strong side. You're trying to keep the ball on one side of the floor. And then that, that last guy down, he's really got to be at a read, you know, if, if he's got trailer, if he's got to fill an opposite. And, and, and you really don't have a man in transition. Some teams have gone to just not going to the offensive glass at all. You know, I haven't really bought into that yet just because I think if you don't send anybody, then people can start to break on you quicker because they don't have to they don't have to punish you. They don't have to box you out. And so now they can just grab the ball and now it's in, in yeah, you should theoretically have everybody in front of the ball, but at the same time they're at least gonna be able to get that board and be able to go a little bit quicker. So, you know, I think we can generate more offensive rebounds. I really do. I think I think when you look at the numbers, it's something we talked about as a team yesterday. I think there's still more on the table for us from an offensive rebounding standpoint, but I think we saw that, especially first half on Saturday. Yeah. I thought we did a really good job there. That was probably our most active that we've been on the offensive glass. And we also had to do a really good job in transition, right? And so, you know, for me, a lot of times, look, it goes back like you want to be an offensive coach, a defensive coach, both. Hey, you want to be offensive rebounding coach or transition defense coach? Both, right? Like we want to fight to be complete. And, um, you know, that's, that's something we work on a good bit. Coach Grove came from Xavier, and they're phenomenal in that. And um, he's brought a lot, of, a lot of different ideas there, especially with defensive transition. And um, by the metrics, this is as good as we've been. And, in fact, I think, I think at a point about 10 days ago, we were number one in the country in transition defense. And so, um, you know, we've, we've been tested there a lot. Good grief. We've played some teams that get out and run. Uh, and I think that's going to really pay off once we get the league. It's hard to be better than number one, isn't it? Yeah, like Synergy does it like percentile. So we were yeah. we were a hundred percentile. So I, I assume that means we're we were top of the list. So uh, I, I think that that might have been before Auburn. So we might have you know Auburn obviously tested you there pretty good, and um, but but our guys our guys have done a pretty good job there. We that's where we were struggling early Saturday. They they got you know the game was knotted up for a little while there. And um, they were getting us in transition. We mm -hmm. were picking up the ball a little bit too low. The lower you pick up the ball, the more they can really get to the arc. And they were they were getting threes. They were trying to shoot quick threes on us. So we, we moved our pickup point higher, closer to half court, to just try to saw that ball off a little bit quicker so they couldn't get some of those transition threes. All right, a couple more questions uh, as we uh, wind to a close here. Um, the, the next one with uh, Montsecor Wellness Arena as a viable alternative home court. Uh, what changes do you, Bob Ritchie, Hope to make in future non-conference schedules fewer uh, non-D1s, 
hosting uh, one or more quote unquote high major teams, even stronger strength of schedule. What's the what's the plan going forward? Yeah, so I'm going to keep this pretty concise because this is something that obviously you know an area where I think it would our fans need to understand the dynamic of scheduling and and understand first of all we're not afraid to play anybody and 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 anybody that is willing to come to Greenville and come to Timmins come to the well we'll, we'll play and and I, I love that I love to test our team any way we can. I had a fan come in a booster and and you know I'll I'll keep it nameless but I don't think he would mind me sharing the story. He came in after the North Greenville game, and he's one of my close friends, great guy, great supporter. We wouldn't be where we are right now without him. And uh, he said, hey, Bob, you know, what, what would it cost us if we, if we figured out a way to, to, to buy a Division One team as opposed to playing a North Greenville, right? And I said, well, I said, take a seat. Let's find out. And so one of my friends that I coach with at Charleston Southern is now the head coach of South Carolina State. And I called Murray, and I said, hey, how much, how much would it cost us? You know, if we wanted to get you guys on the schedule next year and we wanted to pay you guys to come to Greenville, what's, what's, what's it going for right now? And he said, well, Bob, here's what I'll tell you. ETSU offered me 65000 in rooms. UNCG offered me 70000 in rooms. College of Charleston offered us 70000 in rooms. So you probably got to start around there, right? Well, for us, we pay those non-ones probably about five grand each, right? Our... our our guarantee budget's about fifteen thousand dollars. So, you know, for us, it, it's a, it's it's there's a, there's some economics in there, and there's we've got to continue to get the resources that we need necessary to be able to compete with where the market's at there. And I think those numbers, when people probably just heard that, I'm sure they hit rewind and like, what in the world is going on? But that's that's what's happening, right? Like, you know, obviously everybody knows, you know, Nico's one of my closest friends, and you know, I know I know their situation at Colorado State. I mean, he's, he's got close to half a million dollars to, to buy games. And all these high majors do now. And so they've got 600000 to buy games or whatever it is. And so they're all playing people that they're paying to come in there and they're playing on neutrals and they're not going on the road. And now the cream of the crop at the mid-level is all of a sudden coming up with $60,000 to buy these games, right? And so it's just created this market to where if, if, if you want to change it, there's an investment that comes with it. It's just like Greensboro with their MTE that they host. Yeah, it's great. They get three or four. They get three home games out of it. That's phenomenal. I think everybody would like that, right? You ask around a little bit. What's the investment? Well, they're investing about two hundred thousand dollars to pull that off, and so there's there's a, there's a lot of money involved in this. Right. So for for us, hey, we want we want the best schedule we can get. All right. If if we could if we we will play anybody, and and you know I don't necessarily want to play all these nine ones. I just think for the fans and for the players, we have to get to 15 home games. I think it's a disservice to our players, and it's also a disservice to our season ticket holders if we can't produce 15 home games. And we kept the schedule open, kept the schedule open, kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, and finally once it got to close to September, we had to go in and fill in some gaps. And um, so hopefully, you know, this thing will change. I don't know, you know, in terms of high majors coming here, I mean, I would love to think it's going to be possible, but at the same time, based on some things I've heard, it's, you know, they're just not going on the road a whole lot. And so we've got to, we've got to figure it out. The well could help us, um, but, but it's, it's, it's far from a done deal. Yeah. All right, final question, uh, and, and very quickly, I don't know how much time you've even had to, to look at what else is going on around the conference, but the question was asked, uh, in any of the teams or individual players elsewhere in the conference, it's kind of caught your attention a little bit. 
Yeah, so I mean, I've I've watched about the whole league at some point or another, and um, you know, I, again, the league's really good. Not a surprise. You know, analytically speaking, it's not quite as highly ranked as we we were last year. You know, I think we're floating around 14th or 15th overall. But you know, I think I think the assessment, what it appears right now, you know, last year we had four teams in the top 85, and that was towards the end. I think right now, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure the metrics. I don't. I don't think we have four in the top 85. But I know we're in the 70s. We had a couple in the 80s. You know, we we still have really good representation inside the top 100. I think what you're also seeing is some of the middle has strengthened a little bit, right? And so Western Carolina looks to be playing well. Chattanooga's had some up moments. Um, Mercer goes to Wilmington last night, wins by 10. And um, and so you know, Sanford's had some good moments. You know. Uh, VMI, I mean, VMI runs great stuff. Coach Earl does a great job and, and beats Stetson by 20 or whatever a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, and then Citadel has had some good wins. And, and, and so I think just like every year, like, like when you go on the road, anybody can beat you. You're going to have to be ready to roll. Um, I think out of the gate so far, I would say Western has been the team that's been, you know, if, if you had to say, hey, compared to what the expectation was, and what they're doing right now, you know, in terms of that gap, I would I would think everybody would agree that Western's Western's caught some some people's attention. You know, the the Northern Kentucky transfers playing, you know, as well as any guard in the league on paper right now. And then you've got Dotson, that's a load, and then they've got multiple shooters around them. And so, um, you know, Mark's a great guy, does a great job. Everybody knew that you know it would be a matter of time before those guys were playing well. And so, that's what's going to make it fun. You know, I think that um, I tell you what, I, I I will say this though. I think Noah Gurley's playing as good as any of them right now, and, and and that's that's what that's what's neat for us. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously we saw Jordan come out with 26 the other night again. We've seen what Clay's been able to do. Alex is a proven point guard. Um, you know, I love our group. I really do. You know, I I think our group is is playing some good basketball right now. There's areas that we've got to continue to improve on, but um, man, it's it's a fun group to coach. They've got a lot of energy. They care about each other. They're playing for each other. And um, it's, it's, it's been a fun journey so far, and we're looking forward to getting into conference play. Well, this has been uh, fun, interesting, and, and I think good to, to bring the fans into this a bit and, and have uh, their questions drive the show. We'll maybe try to do it again uh, in the not-too-distant future. This will be the last podcast uh, before the uh, first of the year. So as we wrap it up, I'll say Merry Christmas to you. Uh, and your family, and I know you'll enjoy a bit of a break after Friday night at uh, Mercer and uh, a chance to spend some time with the family. And um, 2020 will be here just like that. Goes quick, doesn't it? It sure does. Seems like every year gets quicker. But, uh, yeah, thanks to all the fans. I mean, Saturday night was special in a lot of ways, and appreciate everybody taking a part in that and making that possible. Our administration, our AD, our president, all the people in our department – uh, the head coaches that brought their teams, all the student athletes, the students that came out. What a night. And um, just, just want everybody to understand that we appreciate it and um, we, we want this journey to be together. And we're looking forward to great days ahead. And um, everybody have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And uh, we will see you when we get back to play East Tennessee on campus. All right, Bob, thanks. All right, thank you. And there you go. That's episode 39 of the All Den Podcast. Our thanks to Bob Ritchie and our thanks to you for continuing to listen and support. For those of you who submitted questions on gopowellness.com, thank you very much for that. 
And uh, we'll look forward to uh, doing this again after the first of the year. I will echo what Coach said. Thank you so much for your uh, participation, for continuing to support, and have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been Episode 39 of the All Den Podcast. We will see you again, God willing, in 2020. Until then, for Coach Bob Ritchie, I'm Dan Scott saying thanks for listening and thank you for being All Den. All Den.